any outside link is punished in the algorithms on X, Facebook, all of these platforms. If you, just by posting a link in your feed, that is punished. It's because it, they want you to focus on native content on their platform as opposed mm -hmm. to pushing people to outside sites. And this is the kind of thing that really messes up the open web because, you know, you, that creates a chilling effect where you no longer even want to post a link at all because maybe you're being shadow banned because you're pushing people to outside sites. So, you know, this is obviously something that we don't do. You can freely post Good. links on Minds and they will not get reduced reach for doing that. But these are the kind of games that are happening behind the scenes. Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Shahid Durrani. And today we have with us Bill Ottman. Bill is the co-founder and CEO of Minds, the number one free speech social media platform and Facebook's number one competitor. Welcome to our show, Bill. Thank you for having me. I don't know about number one competitor. I would say maybe number one open source competitor. But th there, 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 there are some slightly bigger fish in the big tech world who I think Facebook would probably consider a bigger competitor. Yeah, but you guys are growing pretty fast, right? Yeah, pretty fast organic growth. It's also, it's slow and steady at the same time because we aren't really willing to grow in a way that compromises our principles. A lot of big tech used some pretty malicious techniques to grow, grabbing everybody's contacts and buying, buying data. And th those are growth techniques that we're not willing to do. So it does make it harder in certain circumstances when you have more privacy focus. That makes sense because you guys are doing it organically, true organically. So it's obviously, it's going to take a little bit longer but you are getting the attention. So that's good. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So what inspired you to launch this free speech type of platform? Yeah, I think the theme of internet freedom encompasses a number of things. Free speech is one of those things, but it's not the entirety. I think internet freedom encompasses freedom of speech, free expression, privacy, end-to-end -end encryption, transparency, free and open source software, and sovereignty for users in terms of ownership of their data, content, and their relationships. And so all of those things are part of the mission. And we just realized early on, 10 years ago now, that this was inevitable. Because if you just look at the history of technology, across the board, not just in social media, but if you look at browsers or cryptocurrency or operating systems, open source is eating all of them. There's a famous quote from Andreessen Horowitz, I think Mark Andreessen is the one who said it, that software is eating the world. 
but now it's that open source is eating software. So it's shifted because open source is becoming almost like a requirement for a lot of developers. Mm -hmm. It's like, why would you build your business with software that you don't control? So true, but we're doing it though. A lot of people do it. And we even, it's like, we're not entirely 100% in our production stack. We're pretty, we're pretty much completely, it's, there are very rare exceptions where we will integrate with anything proprietary. Stripe is one of those kind of unavoidable instances because Stripe is, they have all the licenses all over the world to process payments and so they they almost have a monopoly on payments in a sense. There's no open source version of Stripe. But that's why we introduced crypto and Bitcoin and Ethereum so that there could be an open source payment system. But yeah, I think that these values are spreading. Decentralized social media, even beyond us, is growing super fast. We're seeing projects like Blue Sky and Mastodon and they're the Nostra. There's these protocols that are emerging that are are really gaining popularity. And, and kind of the beautiful thing about the next wave of social media is that the user base is actually not in a walled garden with some big tech site. It's actually a protocol that anybody can integrate with. So for instance, mine's just integrated with a protocol called ActivityPub, which Mm -hmm. is what powers what's known as the Fediverse, which is a decentralized network of apps, which include Mastodon, Minds, Threads, Facebook's new, Mm -hmm. is going to be integrating ActivityPub. Actually, the EU is forcing them to integrate ActivityPub, which means that one, and Threads has totally committed to this. Tumblr as well has committed to this. What that means is that on Minds, you will be able to follow people and talk to people, reply to people, like their posts between apps. So I can follow people on Threads and Tumblr from Minds, and they can follow me, and we can talk to each other. Just open. It's totally, yeah. So the apps are interoperable. And our prediction is that every app is going to become, maybe not every, but most apps are going to become interoperable with decentralized social media because for any business every business needs social to drive customers whatever it is and so if there is a open social graph for businesses to tap into that's huge that's a game changer if you know the social network is more of an open system as opposed to something that is locked into YouTube or Facebook or whatnot. So because we spend years building audience or podcast, podcast followers, yeah. we spend years building these audiences, but then they're stuck in the company where we've yeah. built it. But those should be ours. Yeah, that's a big point. That should be ours. And also the point that you made about privacy and not knowing what's being done with the data that is being collected, for example, WhatsApp. There are a lot of conversations. So I'm not sure about the terms. I didn't look into it, but you may know more. The depth 
of what they know when we use these platforms compared to your platform? Yeah, the problem is that we don't know because they don't show us their code. Mm. They can they claim that they have end-to-end -end encryption in WhatsApp. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's, it's, they're asking us to trust them that they're encrypting messages. It's possible that they are. I'm pretty sure that the people at Whisper, Open Whisper Systems, who are the same people who created Signal, I'm pretty sure that they actually helped with the encryption project at WhatsApp. There's no way that it's completely encrypted. Because the identity layer in Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp is all common. Maybe some of the messages are encrypted, but they're very aware of all the metadata of everybody who is talking to each other. Metadata is just as important to encrypt as anything. So I think that it goes very deep. The, when you mess in Instagram, the messages are just completely readable. Same with Gmail, same with Facebook Messenger. You should just assume that your, your messages are being scanned. And they're being, they're being processed through algorithms which have all kinds of consequences. For instance, and this has been reversed, but about a couple years ago, Facebook, if you even typed the link minds.com in Facebook Messenger, you would get this big warning that pops up. <laughs> and you would have to sit, and it said, be careful, this link may be unsafe. And you had to do a CAPTCHA to even be able to, put, to share that link on Facebook. And since then, we actually got that reversed because we talked to somebody at Facebook and explained to them that it must have been a mistake. I don't think it was a mistake. I think they intentionally put us on some sort of a list. But we did get a reverse. Even that in itself just shows that their messages are just being scanned in real time. Email will target ads at you based on what you say in private emails. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So with this open source, anyone could come in and look at anything. It's no, an no, open no, book. No, no, no. no? To in a sense. So the code, okay. the production, the code is open source. So they can see, yes, they can see completely hundred percent how the app is behaving and what data we're taking and all of that, but they can't see the actual data. They can just see No, that's for sure. Like you that defeats the purpose of right. privacy. Okay. Can you walk us through the experience for a business to be on Minds compared to your traditional platforms? Yeah, sure. We should totally get your podcast and your business up on there. And, oh, for and, sure. And, Love and to. we can do some live comparison. But what's interesting is that even though we have a fraction of the users of Facebook, the engage so we have this whole reward system where you earn more engagement based on your contributions. So you earn these tokens, which are worth views. So you, so based on the engagement every day, we have this reward system that essentially gives tokens to users who are contributing to the app. And then you can, we have a native ad network on the app and you can use those tokens to boost your content for more views. And we did this in reaction to the restrictive algorithms on other big tech apps. And the point being that as a, as a new user or creator, 
we have countless testimonials of users who get way more reach on minds than Facebook or Twitter or any of them because there's a way to be amplified just by contributing. And yes, you can also pay for advertising on minds, but you don't have to. You can earn and just boost your content. And the hardest thing for so many brands is breaking out of the void. I'm sure that from starting a show that those first, mm-hmm. those first few months are really difficult. <laughs> and you really have to trudge through to have any chance at growing an audience. So we really try to reward people. Like we're, we share our ad space with the community. The tokens essentially represent community ownership of our ad space. So profit sharing? No, it's, we do rev sharing as well on various products. So if you bring it, if you sign up, we have a very aggressive affiliate program where anyone who comes in through you and spends money on ads, for instance, you're getting 45% of what they spend. That's good. We really want to, yeah, share our revenue with the community. But in, for, for, with the tokens, it's what is, so we have a certain amount of ad space in the newsfeed and whatnot and a certain number of impressions that we're, in dri- we're driving on a monthly basis through that system. And we're giving a major percentage of that away every month through this reward system because we're giving away tokens, which represent the views, impressions. And we're just giving that to people who are active on the app. And they can reinvest that for ads. Yes, exactly. What is the size of the community? We're around 5 million users, less in terms of active, like a couple hundred thousand active monthly. And what's hard, I think that you, you even see with the explosive growth of, of threads and then how it's like the retention has gone way down. It's like people are very set in their ways and we're playing the long game. And we're really happy. So the growth, the funny thing is, so we have like our users, which is around 5 million. But then in these decentralized protocols, for instance, in the Fediverse, there's around 10 million users in the Fediverse. And we are, that's outside of us. With us, it's around like 15 million. So by interoperating with the ActivityPub protocol, we are essentially interoperable with those users now. And so they're not our users, like in, in, cause in decentralized protocols, it's more about the user owning themselves, not any yeah. platform owning them, but they are, mm-hmm. th- those 10 million users are in our network now. So like I could follow any of those 10 million users on mines and engage with them. So it's like a, mm-hmm. it's a separate type of user. And then in Noster, there's, I think, a couple million people that have signed up over there. And we're going to be playing with some of these other protocols. So I think that the conversation changes about like how many users do you have when it comes to decentralized social media because of what I mentioned earlier. It's not the platform that owns the users. The protocol kind of supports the users and the platforms tap into the protocol. So the users are already there. You could arguably say that in the Minds network, there's 15 million users because I can go and engage and follow all of those people throughout the Fediverse. And so it's this positive sum game where our prediction is that more apps 
are going to want to tap into these protocols because of the social graphs that exist there. And it's this like a rising tide lifts all ships kind of situation. And yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But the fact that Threads is adopting ActivityPub is, it's crazy because there's going to be now like 100 million users in the protocol, which Minds is able to harness and Mastodon is able to harness. Yeah, I, I encourage more people to, to start educating themselves about this because when you're starting a company, whatever it is, you need to ask yourself, like, where are we going to find the people who are going to participate in our app or be our users or buy our product? And as opposed to doing kind of the old school, and it, it's still going to be important to, to do the old school method. This is like a new type of social media integration that companies can be doing, which can bring awareness to their company. It's like the question that we predict you're going to start hearing over the next few years is what is your decentralized social strategy? You have your social media strategy, but what's your decentralized social media strategy? And how are you, are you blasting your content into the Fediverse? That's going to be a question that every company is going to be wondering. And there are big companies that are already doing it. BC, Flipboard, Tumblr, Threads, like all like this is really happening in a meaningful way. And I think it's going to, it's once Threads actually launches their full integration, which should be in the next few months, I think the conversation is really going to change. Yeah, definitely will. The entire world is going more dis decentralized and it was bound to happen so when i found out about you guys i was like that's wonderful because there's a lot of complaints in the business world about using these traditional platforms and growing the follower base and just working really hard then all of a sudden and you'll hear the stories all of a sudden they're banned and that's it all that work is gone so when it comes to your platform, I don't believe that they own any followers or anything. They don't have any contact information. Is that correct? That's correct. We are yeah. open to figuring out some kind of like an opt-in situation where when you, when you follow somebody, yeah, you can say whether or not you want them to be able to email you. I think that because I do think that email is this interesting old school but yeah. yet decentralized communication system. So like email lists are coming back in a big way mm -hmm. because you have much greater organic reach in email than by post. If you have 100,000 emails, that's way more valuable than like 100,000 followers on Facebook. 100%. So I do think that there, as long as it's consensual, we would yeah. be open to be building awesome. something like that. Yeah, is that in the pipeline or is that something that just came up right now? Oh, what yeah, it, it is. Like? In the That'll pipeline, be amazing. But, but doing it in a doing it in a secure way is more complicated than you think. But yes, it's it is in the pipeline. Yeah. And what was the other what was the other part of your question? So I believe that's it. So Basically, the idea that you have when someone follows, they might get a pop-up saying, would you like to receive communication from this individual? They will say yes, for example, and then you would make it available in their dashboard, their contact information, for example. Yeah, yeah. And it's completely up to the user yeah. who they want to share 
what with. And And right now, as of today, a business can create a page there comparably to the traditional platforms. What do you feel the growth level is compared to these other platforms? It sounds like the growth is much quicker on your platform. That's what I'm gaining. Yes, particularly for like more small to mid-sized creators. I think that for the larger creators with huge audiences, they're like, it's, yeah, it's good. It, we can't necessarily, obviously, because we're not as big, we can't achieve the same level of top line engagement of the biggest people on YouTube. But for the up and comers, I do think that we are better because we have these ways to earn reach. And that's just not really possible. Like the number of people that I yeah, see. That's on, pretty cool. The number of people that I see on Twitter or X that have been on the platform for 10 years, they post all the time and they have yeah. 200 followers and get like two likes per post. And it's the same on yeah. Facebook. This is yeah. very common. And people now yeah. expect that, oh yeah, I just, I'm not going to be able to grow much more. And this is just what my reality is. And they're almost using it as like a personal like journal as opposed mm-hmm. to a distribution platform. And, and we just, we think that it defeats the purpose of yeah. social media. The purpose social of social media. media. The purpose is that people follow me and then they see my posts. And so for us, like the default algorithm will always be the latest, like chronological feed. We do have other algorithms for different kinds of trending content and whatnot, more of a for you feed. But like most apps now are making the for you, like AI driven recs default. And when you make that the default feed, it really hurts everyone's organic reach. And it's just pushing up the content that the algorithm is deeming to be the most important mm-hmm. opposed to like the basic social contract of social media, which is that I follow you and I get your stuff. Um, yeah. We're committed to maintaining that because it's just, it's a very basic thing that I think a lot of people want. And mm-hmm. yeah. So the demographics, what percentage are business owners, entrepreneurs compared to employees? Do you have that type of data? We have, not really. We have, we definitely have a bunch of businesses and brands and creators. I would say that actually around half of our users are creators, which is way more than most People on traditional social media, I think that the typical numbers you'll see is like 99% just kind of lurkers and consumers versus 1%. So 1% heavy creators. So like on, on X, for instance, the vast majority of the engagement is going to a tiny percentage of the users mm. who are like these power influencers. And then, yeah, yeah, there's some gray area. I wouldn't be surprised if like more people on social are becoming creators. I think that's a natural progression over time that, that someone who wouldn't have considered themselves a creator five years ago now considers themselves a creator because they're, they create content online. Like even if you're not a professional artist, if yeah. you're posting your photography, guess what? You're a creator. And so we have a much higher percentage of creators than most social apps. And because yeah. a lot of people who come to us are looking to expand their audience and yeah reach i'm interested the, yeah great yeah, yeah. We'll what, run do some you have uh, many, 
Yeah, sure. Do you have many podcasts on there? Yeah, absolutely. A bunch of podcasts. Okay. Because I think that which sure. is that a lot of people who like create YouTube videos, for instance, they will also release that YouTube video as a podcast. There's no like, why not? I'm, a, I'm guessing you're, are you audio only? So I'm audio and video and I do one episode a day. Oh, nice. And are you publishing that across? On, across, yeah. I use Podbean. Yep. So they distribute it to the major platforms, iTunes podcasts, Google podcasts, all the other ones, and the YouTube as well. Nice. Yeah, we actually have a YouTube, an auto sync with YouTube so that your YouTube videos oh, perfect. can automatically post for you. It'll just post a link. We used to have a native video uploader from YouTube, but this, it, they, don't, they don't really like that, actually. They don't like <laughs> you to just grab the source video, so they... Rumble actually does this and some other companies and it's, it's a game of cat and mouse. They're, they're basically skirting some of YouTube's terms around doing that. But yeah, so it just, it, it, it'll just, cool. every time you upload a YouTube video, it'll post like a kind of rich embed preview of your video and you can play it in the app, but it's through an embed. So that Definitely. makes things easier. I do think that maintaining a lot of accounts is really hard for everybody. And I also think that this is why the interoperability future really matters because the way that it works is that I can be on when I'm integrated with ActivityPub, I can or some of these other protocols, Noster or or theoretically Blue Sky, I can post to my one account and it's going to all of these different platforms. So people on all of the different mm. pl platforms can subscribe to my one identity as opposed to having so as opposed to having a dozen identities yeah across all the platforms i have one and it's all going everywhere and so i, so I do just think share one yeah you just share one yeah. and that's where like we right want to get that, yeah, that that's, that's better for creators but the problem is that we're gonna see is that platforms they don't like elon for instance has been pretty hostile to decentralized systems like he he's he showed some openness to it but then he also threatened to ban mastodon links and noster links and he was even threatening to ban or charge for posting links to instagram and facebook mm. but then they rolled back the policy because there's a very clear there's a weird power dynamic going on where he knows that if he locks down the ability to post links, that it's going to result in a higher engagement on his platform and less traffic being driven to competitors. That's why you see links, generally speaking, any outside link is punished in the algorithms on X, Facebook, all of these platforms. If you, just by posting a link in your feed, that is punished. It's... It, because they want you to focus on native content on their platform as opposed mm. to pushing people to outside sites. And this is the kind of thing that really messes up the open web because, you know, you, that creates a chilling effect where you no longer even want to post a link at all yeah. because maybe you're being shadow banned because you're pushing people to outside sites. So, you know... This is obviously something that we don't do. You can freely post Good. links on mines and they will not get reduced reach. 
for doing that. But these are the mm. kind of games that are happening behind the scenes. I, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. It was wonderful speaking to you today, my friend, and it's exciting. I love seeing this type of innovation and how you're bringing people together. By restricting people or individuals, it just makes things worse. I was doing an episode where we were talking about, for example, self-belief. When we have a doubt within, if you try to run away from it or ignore it, it expands, it gets bigger. But if you just become aware of it and you just look at it, you deal with it, you can bring it more resolution. So I see that, yeah, your platform is going places. I definitely want to chat with you after we stop recording and see what we can do together. And I appreciate your time today. Yeah, the last thing I would say in that light is that confronting our issues, confronting our problems, having the hard conversations head on is pretty core to our philosophy with dialogue. Yes, we support free speech, but why do we support free speech? We believe based on a vast array of historical evidence and peer-reviewed empirical evidence that free speech actually creates the healthiest societies. Now, people will say, okay, what about hate speech and misinformation? And we would just say, yeah. We partnered with Daryl Davis, who is a famous black musician who inspired over 200 members of the K to leave the KK. And he did that by befriending them and engaging in dialogue with them. And now I'm not saying that everybody is going to be interested in doing that because most people will not. But the point is that if you ban somebody with controversial views, they are going you as a More network anger. are avoiding the problem. You're pushing the problem under the rug. And it's so as mm. from a societal standpoint, we are we're hiding from our problems. But the way to actually create more unity and dialogue on a global scale and to create de-radicalization, the only way to do that is to engage in dialogue. So, mm. you know. It's a hard thing to do because there's some ugly aspects of humanity that we have to confront when we allow some of this speech to exist. But it's pretty Mm. clear that free expression, freedom of the press are absolutely foundational to a healthy society. And I think that people have started to forget about that a little bit because because when you're on social media, it's so easy to get so upset when you see something that's nasty. Mm. But we just encourage people to reframe their experience. And if you see something that you disagree with, Ask yourself, try to get in that person's head. Why does that person think that way? Is You don't need to think of it as, There's as so some much misguidance there. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope we can no, continue the conversation. It was a pleasure. It was great having you, my friend. Audience, check out Minds, and I'm going to do so as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you. 